it's so appropriate to be celebrating Christmas right now, because uh, happy nine-month birthday, Wellspring. Uh, that's the, uh, so I mean, if, I mean, somebody could have had a baby now from our first day. Uh, is that weird? A little weird? Uh, <laughs> all right. I uh, was standing back there, guys. I am blown away that because people said yes to Jesus, that we have an impact where nine months in, we're reaching untouchables. <laughs> and that nine months in, because of our faithfulness and generosity, that Wellspring has played a role in planting four additional churches across the world. Um, that's no small thing. And so I, uh, I'm so thankful for that, for that report. When it, comes to, when it comes to the crazy in life, who's your crazy friend? Who's that person? And it might be you. Uh, who's that person that is very easy to convince to do the crazy? And so they may have story after story after story. They might be the, is it Dosekis or whatever that thing is, the world's most interesting man alive, whatever that commercial is. Because they say yes all the time, they perhaps is, are the mo world's most interesting man or woman, the, the who's who, if you will. Somebody that I've grown to love is a guy named Daniel Goodhue, one of our very own, uh, married to Jillian, our Well Kids uh, lead, and uh, he is a very interesting man. He takes very little convincing, in fact, no convincing at all, to do some of the stupidest, most craziest things you would ever imagine. And so I texted a handful of people, let's do a triathlon together. And some of them came back with questions. Well, when are we going to train? And what are the distances? Uh, what is the date? Daniel, although he doesn't really respond to group messages, he's one of those group texters that just like sees the whole conversation but never ever replies. He's one of those guys. Uh, he said yes with no questions. And so he and I, uh, with some others, we did a triathlon. Others can, Graham is in the back. He can, he can attest. It kicked his butt, but he did it. And uh, we've, uh, his life group, you all should be in a life group, his life group convinced him to go rock climbing on a whim, F friends from the, the uh, tech team and whatnot convinced him to go on a mud run, all without any questions, just sure, I'll go. And uh, so I, I emailed his wife, as, as uh, any wife would love an email like this, give me dirt on your husband. What are some of the crazy, what's some of the crazy things he's done that we wouldn't know about? And she told me stories and she she told me I couldn't, she couldn't give me pictures because she really values her marriage and whatnot. Uh, but the one time she told me that Daniel drove four and a half hours uh, to south of the border because somebody told him there's a giant fly swatter and we should go get it. So he drove nine hours to go get a giant fly swatter. He's, uh, he swam with the same animal that killed uh, Steve, uh, what, that, Irwin, that dude? And... Uh, and then one of the more interesting things, and she told me I couldn't have a picture, although I begged for it, uh, that he was known as the gold fella uh, at, at Georgia Tech. You know what that person is? The person that goes to football games dressed in all gold paint and wears a gold wig. Uh, and so I'm sure if you go over to our children's area and ask uh, Jillian for a private picture, I'm sure she'll gladly give that to you. She married the exact opposite. She married, or he married, uh, Jillian, who helped people get to the moon. And not really, but she helped people get into space. She works for NASA. And so there's been times where I was like, hey, would you consider Welkins? Would you consider this? Would you consider this? And what I can guarantee from Jillian is that I'm going to get back an email with 45 questions. 
She analyzes the crud out of everything, and she wants to know every little detail before she says yes. She is the exact opposite of Daniel. Where do you fall? Today, we're, we're looking at an element of faith. Some of us might be the yes man. It might be easy for us to say yes. But when it comes to things of faith, it becomes all the harder. God puts something in front of us. Help in the children's area. Wake up earlier and volunteer. Talk to this person at your work. Do, do what seems to be crazy. And sometimes that's when the tension builds. Say yes to Jesus. Sometimes that is exactly where tension starts to grow. It's natural. But Mary is going to show us today as we talk about her as the who's who that we're looking at. That she didn't take much convincing. You know the story. An angel comes to her and says, have a kid. You're a virgin, but have a kid. The conversation is all of 12 verses long. If you were to read it and it's entirely all at one shot, it might take 30 seconds. And that's the conversation to convince Mary to do something absolutely crazy yet incredible. It starts like this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, we, we know the town Nazareth. It's from Israel. But if it wasn't for the birth of Jesus, none of us here would ever know this town because it's so insignificant. You, if it wasn't for Jesus, you would not know the name Nazareth. Because it's a little town with about 200 soldiers that run it. There's a garrison of soldiers. It's really the only thing that it's really known for. I can tell you that I've, I've talked to some soldiers, and, and they would tell you that if you're a soldier stationed at a little remote town in the middle of nowhere, that's room for trouble. That's the making of trouble. And so here's a little town in where it had a reputation for immortality. It had a reputation for being incredibly sinful because these bored soldiers would do very immoral things. There's about 200 Jews in the town. Of their high occupation, you know what they're, they're doing? They're a bunch of shepherds. About 200 people just herding the, the animals and things of that nature. And that's where Mary finds herself. Gabriel is up talking to God at some point, and God says, I have a mission for you. Go where? Where? Go, go to Nazareth. Nazareth, of all places? You want me to go to Nazareth? Oh, and find this girl named Mary. Mary is just a girl that, again, if it wasn't for the birth of Jesus, none of us would know her name. She's probably just sweeping one day. We don't know that it's not in the text. This is made up. But she's probably just going about her day. I'm getting Ava, you should snap a picture. I'm sweeping. And uh, she's probably just going about her day, and then all of a sudden an angel comes to her. If you're between the ages of 12 and 15, can you stand up for a second? Anybody here between the ages of 12 and 15? My dude? Okay. Two. Hey, you guys should say hi to each other. You guys are the same age. All right, two over here. Look at their faces. You sing on stage. Awesome. Look at their faces for a second. That's the age that we're talking about. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, guys. That's the age that we're talking about. Comes to Mary. Mary is this, one of the top two names in, in the nation of Israel. Mary and Salome, Salome or something like that. Comes to Mary who's probably just going about her household chores and all of a sudden, bam, there's an angel. 
average at best married. She's engaged. Well, she's kind of married. You have to know the Jewish culture. She's, she's in the second part. So in the Jewish culture, when it came to marriage, you'd have two families that get together. They have an arranged marriage. My son or I see your daughter and let's, let's get together. Let's put our, our families together. They would, they would come up with some sort of a contract. You'd have a dowry. There would be a payment of sort. There would be official terms to this marriage contract. You would go to the temple. You would literally sign the contract. It would be see, signed, sealed, delivered, if you will, in the temple. That would make it official on paper that if you were to leave then your spouse you would need to serve them a certificate of divorce. But you're not, you're not really yet married. What would happen in, is then for the next nine months to a little bit over a year, you would have to wait until a ceremony can happen to make it a really official. Because it had to be at least nine months to prove that the woman wasn't pregnant. And so Joseph and Mary find themselves in this middle period, this middle portion where, where they're married, but they're not really married. They're not doing all the things married couples do. But they're married on paper, and Joseph is preparing a house. Mary is, is learning how to be a wife or doing whatever she might be doing. But they're getting ready for the, the third stage where there would be a, a ceremony and a feast. And that's where Jesus turns water into wine at, at a marriage ceremony. So they find themselves. She's a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, engaged young girl. Average at best in the middle of nowhere. She's not somebody that you and I would look at as, she's going to be the mother of God. We would walk by her every single day. And that's who God chooses to use. Think about this conversation. She's going about her daily chores, and all of a sudden, bam, there's an angel. And he starts off the conversation, oh, Mary, you're favored. The Lord be with you. Like, I don't sweep that often, but man, that would be an awesome start to a conversation, wouldn't it? And so Mary hears that, and what's incredible is the verbiage in that language makes it all about God. Mary, grace, the Lord be with you. Mary's done nothing. She's average at best. There's nothing about her that makes her worthy of any of this. But God says to her, you are worthy because I make you worthy. It talks about grace, unmerited, unearned favor. Mary's not getting the credit. God is getting the credit for her being so favored by God. Average at best. How do you see yourself? You probably walked in here feeling average at best. You probably walked in here, maybe you even thought yourself to be one of those untouchables. But God looks at you and says, I love you. So what happens when a conversation comes our way like this? What happens when a moment presents itself? When we hear words like this, doesn't doubt start to creep in? Don't we find those things troubling? Maybe, maybe you're in a certain college degree right now, and you feel God calling you into something and, and saying, you could do this, I want to do this through you, and you find it troubling. Or maybe it's a switch of a career, or maybe there's a promotion going before you, and you find it so troubling, the magnitude of the situation is so beyond you. Maybe God's encouraging you to reach out to somebody or fix a relationship that's been broken. You're saying, God, I don't know. Ava, at this point, probably seven years ago, was working a dead-end job as, as a bank teller, getting so frustrated. Every single time she would be passed up for a promotion. And finally, the last straw came where she's making a little under $9 an hour, and she was passed up for a raise that would have put her just over the $9 mark, or 25-cent raise. 
And she's wondering, dead-end job, dead-end job, what is going on? God, what are you doing? But all the same, all the while, we had Sue Langworthy saying, Ava, you should leave your job and come work for me out of my house. It seems very unstable. For the first year or two, it will be very unstable. It will be a lot of work and not a lot of payoff. But it can. You should leave your job, the guaranteed paycheck, and come be self-employed. You can do it. We didn't like hearing that. He was like, I have a degree in sports. What does that have to do with homes? So finally that last straw came, and, and we're saying, Ava, you need to do this. It's time. But she was troubled by the words. She was troubled by, by the magnitude of the situation. I'm so thankful that she chose to ignore that and go for it. She makes more money than I do, and I'm really okay with saying that. <laughs> what happens when troubling words come your way? What happens when words are said about you, when a situation is, is presented before you? Don't we find that troubling sometimes? It doesn't, for the normal person, wouldn't it paralyze a person? So, so the angel hears that, or not hears that, but senses that, knows that Mary is feeling troubled by such a greeting, and goes on to say this, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And we still celebrate it today and tomorrow and forever. Maybe, uh, maybe you're pregnant, or maybe you know a pregnant person that has had one of those gender reveal parties. They're a lot of fun. Check out this video. bat that comes in high and tight and the guy whiffs it and it breaks all in front of him. Like if you guys know Zach Welty, he's in the tech booth back there. He's waving now. That guy looks just like Zach Welty and also swings like Zach Welty. We, uh, we have cupcakes for you on your way out. Uh, blue and pink for gender reveal. Because I was studying this and as my warped brain will, would go, I'm like, Mary had the most awesome gender reveal party ever. Like, she's probably going, like, walking the streets, and she walks in on a gender reveal party. We're like, oh, blue cupcake, pink cupcake. That's cute. I had an angel. Like, she walks into every single gender reveal party and ruins it with, like, you're so creative. I had Gabriel the angel top that. And so we'll give you a cupcake on the way out. 
Gabriel, though, has a message in feeling that she's so troubled. Mary, I know you're engaged, but you're favored. You're going to have a kid. You're a, you're a Jewish person. You know that the, that the passages, you know the prophecies, you know that you're waiting for the Messiah. Mary, you're going about your day, and here's the angel saying, Mary, the time has come, and it's you. You're going to give birth to Jesus, which means Savior, Messiah, that, that mankind needs to be saved from their sins, that they can't do it on their own, that they can't be good enough, that, that God is going to come in and pay the penalty of their sin. And Mary, it's going, the Messiah is going to be before you, is going to be born through you. He's going to be the greatest king Israel will ever know. He's going to be on an eternal, forever throne. Mary, the magnitude of this is incredible. And God chooses to use Mary. Average at best. And so she, she thinks to herself, how can this be? She says, I've never been with, with a man. She uses nice language to say, she's never done that thing that married couples do. Her question is not so much, if you know the ending of the story, her question is not filled with doubt. Her question is, Angel, what exactly are you telling me? Angel, how do I move forward in this? I might be 12, 13 years old, but I, but I know enough about biology to know that this is impossible. Are, are you telling me to go do something with my engaged husband? Are you, are you telling me to be sinful to produce this child? No. Are, are, are you telling me to hook up with my girlfriend or a boyfriend? Are you telling me to hook up with a stranger off the street? What are, how is this going to happen, married angel? And so the angel then responds and says this. It's a perfectly reasonable question, a logical question. And the angel says, he answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There will be a child to be born who will be called Holy for the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has, conceived, uh, has also conceived a child in the sixth month with her who was barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Right before this story, if you're looking at the entirety of Luke chapter 1, where we're reading right now, right before this, Mary has this relative, Elizabeth, and, and the angel Gabriel comes to them and says, you're going to have a child. They're old. They're, they're not young and, and virgins. They're older. But, but Elizabeth is barren in her old age. Zachariah, Zachariah he's, he's a priest in the temple. He's one of the elite, religious elites. And the angel comes and says, you're going to have a child. He's going to be John the Baptist. He's going to be the forerunner to Jesus. He's going to be very, very important. Zechariah has a question. He wants proof. And in his question is insinuated so much doubt. And he goes mute because of it until the child is born. And yet you have Mary, the nobody person from Nazareth, that in the grander picture of the story becomes the hero because she said yes and to me this is one of my favorite pictures in the story that God would make the hero of a story like this marry your average everyday person perhaps the untouchable type 
and, and the person that's not seen that well in the story is the elite person from Jerusalem. Because my God delights to use people that the world hardly notices. My God loves to use people like Bill Tate to go into India and reach the untouchables because they're not untouchable to God. My God is not an elitist because he takes people in their weaknesses and says, let me show you my strength. Let's do the impossible through you if you're willing and available for that. We celebrate an all-inclusive gospel message, which means I celebrate that my God is not an elitist. I celebrate that the gospel is for everyone. Can you think of a sin Jesus didn't die for that we can't? That he comes for all and invites all to him because he's not an elitist. He's not for one political party. He's not for one sexual orientation. He's, he's not for one upper class, lower class, middle class. He's not for one uh, price range or financial range or whatever. He is absolutely for everybody. And Mary, Mary is living proof of that. And so the angel says, without Mary having to ask a question, think about your, your cousin or whoever, Elizabeth. You know she's old. You know she can't have kids. And she's six months pregnant. Don't tell me God can't do anything impossible. I'm thankful that God can do the impossible. There was a season where I wanted to say no. In fact, I did say no to this whole church planting thing. And I am so thankful I said yes, that Ava and I said yes. I mean, it was probably after, I think it was after that baptism where we had like 20 or so baptized at Keswick. It was this powerful time. And I remember Ava, Ava either, either later that night or maybe it was during service when we were showing a video and she just tapped me on the shoulder or whatever and said, Do you ma imagine if we had said no. Imagine if we, if we, if we had said no to, to this opportunity. We wouldn't be a part of, of nine months in planting four churches. We wouldn't be a part of the, 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 the crowd that was here opening day. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be a part of all these sorts of things that we can't possibly take credit for. That we've had to reorder Bibles for salvation already. That we celebrated two services in, in a second location this Thursday. All of these things that not one person, it sounds like I'm bragging, I'm not, because I'm a doofus. And because I'm a doofus, I wanted to say no. It was wheels wherever he is wearing that beard, that ugly beard thing he's wearing today. It was wheels that, that, that at an elders meeting said, if you plant a church, I'll go with you. And I said, shut your mouth. It was Ken Oaks that said the same thing at Bayside. It was Dave Ritter. It was others. And it was me going home and Ava telling me to shut my mouth when I said, eh, we should probably pray about this. And I'm so thankful we prayed. Because in that moment, in that moment, I wanted to say no. In that moment, I was like, I, I'm a D's get degrees type guy. I'm not studious. And you, God, you're calling me to study and read pages of pages of commentary every single week. No. God, I am, I'm from Bow, New Hampshire. None of y'all but Ava have heard of that for a reason. We won the state championship in soccer, though. <laughs> I, uh, I went to Taylor University. Few of you have heard of that. Graduated from Philadelphia Biblical University. It was such a mess of a school that now they've changed their name to Karen University. Some of you are way more intelligent when it comes to theology. You could debate me in theology. You would probably win. 
I just want to really love people. <laughs> and I felt all of these inadequate things. Now, I'm not saying it's not important to know your Bible. It is absolutely important. But there's just times where, where I just don't get caught up in all of that. Where, but it makes me self-conscious. I had so many ways and so many reasons where I wanted to say no, but God, but God, but God. And I'm so thankful he uses nobodies to do the impossible. Why? Because that's when he receives the most glory, honor, and praise. And that is exactly what he is doing. So that's the conversation with Mary. How would you respond? Would you respond with an email full of questions like, Huh? Here's a lot of details. I, I'm missing out on some things. Mary doesn't respond with a, a ton of questions. She just, we'll see it. She just says, let's get to it. Perhaps when God is calling us into something that's way beyond us, and it's our nature to start talking, 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 perhaps we just need to get to doing and stop talking as much as we do. Mary, uh, Mary responds this way. She said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it, be accord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. End of conversation. May it be. Like, let's, again, let's not remove ourselves 2,000 years so much from the story that, that, that we lose the magnitude of a situation, of a comment like that, where Mary, this 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, would say to the angel Gabriel, may it be according to your word. You know what she's saying? I'm going to willingly walk in where I could die for this. I have to go to Joseph and kind of hide behind my broom one day and be like, Joseph, um, I'm, I'm pregnant. Um, but I promise it was God. Come on. She, she knows that. And then Joseph would have every right to say, you're dead. You've broken the law. I'm going to take you to the temple, and they're going to kill you. So she says, may it be according to your, and she's, she's putting her life in danger. And if Joseph's a decent man, he's just going to leave her. But then she'll be a divorced, uh, a young divorced woman, which in that day would probably make her an untouchable. No one's going to talk to her. No one's going to, she'll, she's going to be that crazy girl in Nazareth where everybody knows everybody's business. Oh, she's divorced and uh, she had a kid. Jesus himself will have the reputation of being an illegitimate child. It's stuck with them. She knows the consequences, the potential. And her comment is, may this be. She says it without hesitation. Saying yes to God will oftentimes mean a no. So today I'm encouraging you, say yes to God. But to do that, it might mean that you have to say a no. Mary said yes to God, and she had to say no to her reputation. She had to say no to her image. She has to say no to things in society. She has to say no to the next nine months of her life. She has to say yes to hardship. She has to risk her life. She, her yes to God, demanded a no. And so maybe God is calling you into something. Consider this. It might demand a no from you. So what is God calling you to say no to in order to say yes to him? Our example with Mary is this. Just be willing to let God work. Be, be willing to let God work. This is, this is so important. Why is Mary able to do this? Because in that text, may it be, I'm just a servant of the Lord. That means slave. The imagery that she uses is this. She actually uses a Greek word called bond servant. Which, I'm not going to do this, but in the Old Testament, you could, uh, 
Ava, can you snap a picture? I've never looked so manly in my life. Seriously. Um, just hashtag it, man. If you're in the Old Testament and you're, and you're a bondservant, that's somebody that, that would, at the end of seven years, could be released from slavery. And... And at the end of seven years, they, were, they had to be let go and be free. But there was this opportunity that, that, if you, that if you wanted to, and your master was so awesome, and slavery for you was so good because the master was so awesome, that you could willingly put yourself into slavery. You could say to your master, I am your bondservant. I am your slave for life. And now I am yours for life. And to mark that type of relationship, they would put the ear of the slave up to a doorpost to pierce it and mark them as a slave for life. Somebody asked me on Thursday if the nail ever left, and uh, no, they didn't hang to the doorpost for the rest of their lives. <laughs> uh, they would eventually, it would just be a piercing. <laughs> and so Mary looks at herself and says, my master is so worthwhile that I consider myself a bondservant to the Lord. I consider him worth it to do the incredible. I consider him worth it to do the crazy. I consider myself just, God, you tell me what to do, and I'll, and I'll do it. Mary is simply available and willing. And so God shows his, his greatness through her. To some degree in spite of her. So what's your attitude? Is your attitude, God, you do you. God, I just want to be willing and available for you to do the incredible. God, I want your, I want your strength to be on display through my life. I mean, think about this. The angel, the angel goes to Mary and starts the conversation off. You're favored. Do you know what that led a life for her? Do you know what the life that she had because she was so favored by God? 33 or so years later, she'll be standing there. She'll, she'll probably be on her knees before a cross, watching her firstborn child die. She says yes to that. Mary, oh favored one, here's a life of a reputation as somebody that sleeps around a lot. Mary, there's going to be, there's going to be craziness in your life that, that your kids, many of them are going for at least a season, they're going to hate Jesus. There will be dysfunction in your family. You're favored. Perhaps God is, is calling you into something that is seemingly ludicrous and crazy. Maybe it's because you're favored that God looks at you and says, I want to do the impossible through you. Mary didn't say yes based on a feeling. Any feeling would say, say no, say no, say no. She made a decision. Sometimes faith isn't an emotion, it's a decision. So she said yes to Jesus and said, you do you. You, you, you do what only you can do and I'll find peace in you. I'll find peace through the hardship in you, Jesus. You provide it. You make this happen. That's what Jesus does. That's what God does. He calls us into the possible, but then he gives us his strength. He gives us his peace. He gives us his understanding. He, he works through us because we can't do it. I'm thankful that this church is an example of something that God can't do in any one person, but it's an example that only God can do something. That he receives the glory. He's just looking for somebody to be willing and able. Are we on God's agenda? Are we responding to God and saying, God, have your way? If, if we were all doing this, we would never struggle for another volunteer. 
Jillian would never come to a, a Monday morning staff meeting and say, I'm really struggling to, to equip our, our children's ministry to provide a safe atmosphere for our kids. Uh, I don't have enough volunteers because every, volunteer, every children's volunteer that would have that tug on God's heart, go and talk to the children, go and administer to the children, that they, that they wouldn't feel inadequate anymore, that they would just say yes to God because he'll meet you in that place of inadequacy as he always does. We would, we, we would double in size next week because God right now could probably put somebody on your heart that needs to know about Jesus. But you're, but you're, you're, in, you're, tim, you're uh, timid. You're, you're afraid. If I go and talk to them about Jesus, if I invite them to church, or if I start sharing the gospel with them, they might ask a question they don't know the answer to. And there's all these inadequacies. But who cares about the inadequacies? Because God meets us in that place and shows off his strength. Do we trust him enough to be on his agenda and say yes? Mary, I'm sure, does not look back and say it wasn't worth it. When we die and we can ask her a question, I'm sure she's not going to say, trade it. <laughs> because she said yes over and over again and saw God meet her in her inadequacy over and over again. And she said yes, and she said yes, and she said yes. She lived a remarkable life. And that's what happens when you and I say yes to Jesus. We have an initial yes. God, you're my Savior. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I accept you. I say yes to you. And then it's a life that says yes again, yes again, yes again, yes again, yes again, yes again. And that life is not boring. It's incredible. I love standing before you as one who has said yes. I'm not going to die and have lived a boring life. When I die, I want, the, I want the gates of hell to rejoice because I fought with all of my might. Say yes, say yes, say yes. Be willing and available. And so today, maybe your first yes. My challenge to you is this. Be available and say yes. I don't know what God's calling you to, so just whatever it is, do it. Pray and do Pray and say yes. But some of us need to say yes for the first time. Colossians says, says this. And you, you were dead in your trespasses and, and the uncircumcision of your, of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven our trespasses, all of our trespasses, by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And he set it aside. What? Nailing it to, to a cross. So God looks at your initial yes to him and says, you are full of sin. You have a debt that no money, we've looked at that, can pay for and cover. You have a debt that no amount of good work can pay for and cover. That you have a debt, that a bill that you will be handed to you when you die that you can't pay on your own. And God says in the words of Paul in Colossians, I nailed it to a cross. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. So maybe Christmas will truly be the worship of this king. When we say, I'm no longer going to try to pay this on my own. I'm allowing it to be nailed to a cross. That for your sin, wrath is demanded, and God didn't ignore the wrath. He just said, I'm going to take it out on my son and pay for it that way. And all he asks is for your faith and your belief.
then live a life of saying yes. Of saying yes. Of saying yes. And I can tell you, saying yes to Jesus and allowing him to cancel this debt will leave you with wonder. It's incredible. It's not boring. Look at Mary. Tell her her life was boring. Ha! No. Look at Paul. Tell him his life was boring. No. Look at Peter. Tell him his life was boring. No. The initial yes that leads to a life of saying yes is exciting and awesome. So why not start today saying yes to Jesus and having him cancel your debt? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for the time to, to worship you as king. Father, I thank you for the time to remember that your, that your birth is not ordinary, Father, that your birth is extra, extra incredible because you lived an extra incredible life. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you that you loved mankind enough to send a son and not ignore us in our sin. My prayer, Father, today is that somebody, Father, Holy Spirit, tug on somebody's heart right now that they're no longer going to say no, but they're going to choose to say yes. They're going to choose to stop doing life on their own. They're going to choose to stop earning their way to heaven or paying their way to heaven or following some other God to heaven. But, Father, that they would see you as the only way that you canceled their debt. Father, tug on somebody's heart to say yes right now. And if that's you, it's simply, simply pray something along these lines to Jesus. Now, God, I am thankful. God, I am saying yes. God, I am done saying no to you. I am a sinner. I have done a lot of wrong. And God, today I choose a canceled debt made possible by the cross. Thank you. Help me live a life that says yes time and time again. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. If you said that, if you prayed something like that, we have aisle hosts in the back. There's four of them. They each have a Bible. They have, we have starting points starting up. There's only two spots left. You should sign up now. It explains what it means to be a Christian. We have another one starting in January. If you prayed that prayer, angels party. <laughs> so we're going to party with you.